fucking fields, dude. <laughs> That's n- fucking Jolly Green Giant's got a glow in his face. Guess who they don't describe having a glow in his face? Brad motherfucking Pitt. Yeah. Ryan Gosling has kind of more of a pallor, more of a pale vibe. Yeah. He's hauntingly attractive, but no glow. No. Glow in the face is reserved for Santa, W.C. Fields, Winston Churchill, and other fatty. Really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Well, here we are. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. We're in the same room. Bob Schneider is in Nashville. Welcome to town. You come here often. I'm drinking out of the skull of Paul Stanley. I figured that was appropriate, seeing as how you are the returning champion hunchback of the Kiss Cruise. And now you get to drink out of Paul Stanley's head. What if I was a giant and this was actually Paul Stanley's real head? <laughs> you would be the most diabolical, evil, giant king on earth. Dude, I just watched Brawl in Cell Block 99 for the third time. I've also seen it three times. I just watched it yesterday for the third time. It's so good. It's just unbelievable. It's hard to get people to watch it, too. Like, all the dudes in my band, I keep telling them, I'm like, you guys got to seek this movie out. Because they'll talk about Bone Tomahawk, which is the same guy. I'm like, look, you got to watch this fucking movie with Vince Vaughn. I think, I think I've seen all three of them now. Have you seen Dragged Across Concrete? Not yet. Not yet. I want to. And... I always said that Bone Tomahawk was my favorite, but I watched the first half of Bone Tomahawk, and then I was like, you know what? It's slow. And it starts slow. Like, it kind of... Well, they're they're all slow. All three of those movies have this plodding pace. Hmm. But the way they set up Vince Vaughn's character when he fucking fucks that car up at the beginning is, like, the perfect setup. Because you're just like... For the rest of the movie, you're like, don't fuck with that guy. He punched in a fucking car headlight and then reached in and grabbed all the guts out. You know what's really sad when I'm thinking about my first viewing? Because I've also seen it three times. And like Bob is saying, this is a movie that I think is rewarding upon multiple viewings. Yeah. It's sad that I I realized that when I first watched it, almost until the very end, I thought he was going to live and be happy and get back. But what I realized is really quickly, his life's over. Oh yeah! It, it, almost immediately when he when he kills that guy, and the mob bosses come in and say, "Hey, we're going to kill your family unless you do A, B, and C." I thought he'd do A, B, and C and get to see his family. It's like, no, for you to accomplish A, B, and C, you will be killed for it, because he basically has to fight his way into the highest maximum prison in the country to kill a guy that's in there. Well, his life's over. His life's over the minute he turns around on that dock. Yeah. His life, yeah, it's true. Like, his, he could just walk away. Those guys duke it out with the cops. And, you know, he's like, yeah, we ran into the cops. I got away. They didn't, blah, blah, well, blah. Well, what he did is he killed one of the bad guys to keep him from killing one of the cops. Yeah. He just didn't want the cops to get killed. Wow. Man. I know. Spoiler alert, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Vince Vaughn dies at the end. <laughs> no need to watch it. By the way, yeah. Well, man, I was watching. Have you ever seen the movie Officer and a Gentleman? No, it's on my. It's on a queue. But okay, no. then I'm not going to do the spoiler alert. But there, there's a scene. In That's it. a pretty old movie, though, right? It's from the '80s. Yeah, I mean, the statute of limitations on spoiler alerts probably. I know, but that. if you, I'm not going to tell you what the spoiler is. But I was watching it with this kid, and right before this one scene, he's like, "Oh yeah, this happened," and I'm like, 
And then a second later, I found out what happened. I was like, you fucking dick. Did he do it on purpose? Yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. Just to spoil your moment. Well, I mean... A literal spoiler. He was a kid. I think he just wanted to, like, show that he had seen the movie or something. Because this is at a time when, like... This is pre-video. Like, this is how old I am. They didn't have VHS when I was a kid. You had to just catch it in the theater on television? We were watching it on HBO. So that was the only... You had to watch it on... Yeah. So the only way you could have seen it is by seeing it in the theater or he had seen it once before on HBO. This is when there was black it was black and white TV when I was a kid. Back when we only had three channels and we walked uphill to watch them. Is that a picture of you up there? Where? Right here on the side of that. No, that's Kirk Hammett uh dressed up as a reanimator. Uh, Stuart Gordon's reanimator. No, no, I'm talking about this this sketch. Oh, on the side you know of your who monitor. did that? Uh Dwight's son drew that for me, Evan. Oh really? Uh okay. I was a guest on Dwight and Patty's podcast. Oh, so okay. So one of Bob's longtime producers, Dwight Baker, a good friend of ours, and then his uh, his uh, partner in crime. They have a band called The Wind and the Wave. Not his wife, but his, you know, the chick he does music with, Patty, another good friend of ours. Uh, they have a podcast called The Dwight and Patty Show. I was a guest on it, and Evan drew that of me. Pretty good. It, Dwight's kids are amazing. Have you hung out with his kids before? They're no. both really artistic. His oldest kid writes and produces records. I love that record that he did. It's amazing, and they do theater, and you know, they see. I see their kids, and I'm like, oh, my kid is is like that. You know, Luke's like that. I feel like at least last time I hung out with Luke. Um... When I first started hanging out with you, and Luke was six, maybe we were always writing songs, and I mean, I know that he's he's kind of moved on a little bit from that, but he's a funky kid. He's he's super smart and he likes so he went from Montessori to a public school and he liked how everything was sort of like easy and structured. So he really likes structure, he likes rules. He likes oh, these are the rules of society. You wear these clothes, you do this stuff. Like he likes all that stuff. He 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 doesn't feel comfortable like taking the road less, the the path less traveled or whatever. What's the road less traveled? Fuck it, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> is that some sort of reaction to you as as daddy? Is that dad rebellion? I don't know. I think maybe but, his. But you his, like rules though. I love rules, which is an odd thing about you. No, I love rules, but no one would guess that about you. But I don't like. I just like. I do like. <laughs> It's. I mean, I say I like rules because I like to feel safe. Like when I went to Mexico, I felt like, oh, there's no rules here. Everything's up for grabs. Everything's like negotiable. And mm-hmm. I hated it. Yeah. In the States, it's like, okay, speed limit, blah, blah, blah. Pay. You know what I mean? I don't know. I like that. But, but only in life and then in art, I don't like any rules. So in art, no rules. But in life, all rules. But it's like because art is a part of life, it's it's almost like the no rules in art is a rule of life. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like, you know what it is? Uh, David Letterman used to talk about. Like David Letterman had a set routine. He liked to do the exact same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, drove to work, blah, 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 you know, from somewhere far away. And But then 
Because he, yeah, he lived in Connecticut or something. But then his mind was all over the place. Like his brain was like a fucking, could go anywhere at any point. But then the rest of his life is very structured. And that's kind of what I like. I like structure, rules, in life because it makes me feel safe. But then when I'm creating, whether it's art or music or poetry or whatever, then whatever, anything goes. Right. But I, if life was that way, I couldn't. That would be horrible. Well, it's because you probably, you probably experience and live in a lot of chaos in your mind. So, external structure is helpful for you and comforting to you. Right. And by the way, guess what life is? Total chaos. Guess what else life is? What? Box of chocolates. Jenna. Jenna. I know what love is. Jenny, I like structure in my life, <laughs> but not in my art. Jenny. We was like peas and carrots, and I had chaos in my brain. Uh, I like external structure. Do you think they could make Forrest Gump today? Could they remake it? Do you think they could make Forrest Gump in the current no. climate? God, no. Good God, no. It would just be, it would be jeered and booed, right? The, the 1994 Best Picture Oscar winner. If they made it exactly like Forrest Gump. If they made Forrest Gump with somebody doing a Forrest Gump accent Right, today, it's out. That's out. <laughs> Everybody would be out of work yeah. that was involved in that picture. Yeah. Complete society meltdown. You can't talk like this <laughs> in a movie. Jenny. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, we got an email that, by the way, Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Did we get an irate email from someone? I got an email that's, that's not positive about me. Uh, that I figured you might get a kick out of since people people have kind of gone after you a little about some emails. I, I've kind of come away mostly unscathed. Now, this guy, he wrote in, and here's the deal. I don't mind criticism. I really don't. I hate it. I don't mind it if it's correct. If it's wrong... All right, let's hear it. And by the way, it's this is from a fan of the show. Okay. Christopher Pixley writes, Hey, guys, love the show. Been listening since episode one. I look forward to hearing your nutty voices in my ear holes every week. He says, I found it really ironic to hear Clint say that, quote unquote, grow up is your response to the butthurt cancel culture you keep talking about. Growing up is exactly what that culture is about. When you're young, we do and say all kinds of selfish and hurtful shit because we don't know any better or don't care who it affects. I know I did. As we grow up, we learn that a big part of being an adult in a community is understanding how the things we do affect those around us most, especially those who are constant targets of that bullshit. Growing up's all about reining in those instincts. Love hearing your take, even though I don't always agree. Please keep it coming, Christopher. So I, I agree with him, but my issue is, I think the grow up comments I was making, if you can remember, Bob, it's hard to remember these episodes after we do them. I don't, but what's the criticism? I don't get it. He's saying that me saying grow up as a response to cancel culture is ironic because what cancel culture is bringing about is growing up. Because what we're having to do is restructure how we, words we use, categories we put people in but i was saying the grow up stuff was to people who in their adult lives blame their parents for their problems right that's what my grow up was about so i think he's confusing a couple of things here uh my response to cancel culture is a lot more fucking nuanced than grow up right uh it's a malady it's an illness there's a pervasive issue there's a lot of collateral damage i don't I, maybe he's not saying that but i kind of took it as like him saying that I was not being nuanced about it, that I was just saying to these people grow up, which I don't think that's what I've, do you feel like that's, I mean, maybe you can help me here. My being, uh, I can't be objective here. 
Has my response to it been that? We I feel like we talk about this all the time. I think the problem with 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 society and not society in general, but just this whole idea that you're going to hear something and you're going to hear a word or somebody say something and just by somebody saying something that you're going to get really bent out of shape about it is seems to me super immature. That's that's, that's something like a four-year-old, my four-year-old, my, but even my four-year-old's smarter than that. Yeah. Like, so I can't include my four-year-old. But it's it's like something, maybe it's something you can't grow up. Maybe if you're just so stupid, you can't, it's not something you can grow out of or mature out of. It's just, maybe it's just a, a lack of of awareness that that because we have this society now where everybody can chime in, um you're just starting to get a glimpse of like how kind of stupid a lot of people are. Now, is that everybody? No. Is it anybody that listens to our show? Probably not because we have super smart listeners on this show. Well, we absolutely do. And I appreciate Christopher's email. I just, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm representing myself well and what I think about all this. The person who gets offended at a movie and wants the movie to not be played anywhere, they need to grow up. Uh, the 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 women who are upset about how they've been treated in Hollywood and demand change, a la me too. I would never say grow up to that. Sure. So I just want to make sure that I've parsed that out for our listeners in case any, particularly any women who heard it, thought I was saying grow up to them about that because he he specifically mentions in a part of the email I didn't read he talks about disease Louis C.K. and talks about collateral damage and maybe Aziz had to go down for someone like uh, Harvey Weinstein to to get his due, etc. No, that's uh, not true. I don't think that's true either. But my response to that isn't necessarily grow up. It's like, let's take it on a case-by-case basis. Dude, I just got an email from Louis C.K. telling me where he's going to be doing tour dates. And I got so excited that he's, once again, you know, doing shows. You definitely awesome. framed that like he emailed you personally. Hey, well, he, Bob. He did, because I'm on his email list. Now, <laughs> granted, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that are on it. And he did the... So he hadn't sent an email probably in almost a year. And uh, when I got it, like right at the top, he's like, hey, look, if you want to unsubscribe from this, there's a big unsubscribe button. Go press it and I, you won't hear from me again. Um, but I was talking to the to a friend of mine about this. And it's like when when that shit went down with Louis C.K., mm-hmm. he wrote that apology where he went, look, this is this is what what these ladies said happened did happen this is this is what i did Mm -hmm. this is why it was wrong i used my power i used my influence to do this thing that i'm ashamed of that uh i shouldn't have done um i didn't realize what i was doing at the time or maybe i did but i didn't realize maybe how much of an effect it had i'm learning how much of an effect it had i'm not doing it anymore i'm gonna change and I'm going to shut up now and try to learn as much as I can. When somebody does that, that's what you want. That's right. what the whole movement should want. For guys to admit what they've done wrong, say how they're going to change, make amends, and then be part of the movement. And what they did with that motherfucker is they said, nope, you're done, and we're out. 
and everything's canceled. And I'm like, you're fucking yourself when you do that. That's classic liberal. That's the, how liberals work. They cannibalize their own. They look for blood in the water. That happened to Mike Rowe, right? I don't know. When the meets, I don't know who that is. Mike Rowe is the guy who did the dirty jobs. You're not mixing him up with Morgan Spurlock, right? Morgan Spurlock. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. So Morgan Spurlock uh, said, like, he goes, hey, I want to be part of the solution. This is what happened. I yeah, had, yeah, yeah. I had an employee. I used to call her Hot Pants. It was something like that. It was very innocuous, but it was. it's not cool. Don't, don't call your employee Hot Pants or sure. whatever it is. Sure. Uh, he goes, I did it. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was funny. Uh, but obviously it's inappropriate and, uh, I'm sorry I did it. And, uh, of course I'm not doing that anymore. And that motherfucker got canceled. Here's the, yeah, here's the headline I just found. Morgan Spurlock had no idea his Me Too confession would decimate his company and his work. Right. Less than two years after going public about a decades old rape allegation, Spurlock's back promoting his latest film. So this is from... This is recently, so he's got a new film out. Oh, so was that, so a rape allegation? Morgan Spurlock revealed in the confessional post that a woman he slept with in college believed she was raped, and that he realized he was part of the problem. Oh, so then you said so that. I guess I didn't. Uh, I guess I didn't remember that. Within part. days, Spurlock had resigned from his Warrior Poets production company's former partners, pulled his sequel to his breakout Super Size Me doc from Sundance, and YouTube announced that it would not release the film titled Super Size Me Two: Holy Chicken, which is now out though. Well, you get enough time and that shit comes out. That movie Louis C.K. made before he got Me Too'd, uh, I Love You Daddy, that'll come out at some point. Yeah, I just... I Ryan Adams is posting on Instagram every day. Check this out, you're going to love this. 365 days of gratitude. And every day about how he's grateful, another thing he's grateful for. I don't give a fuck about Ryan Adams. I really don't. I think that that piece on him was a straight-up hit piece. He's an asshole. He's trying to get laid. He's using his position to get laid. It's what everybody does. It's why all buildings are made. It's why It's why guys do what they do. All we are driven to do is procreate and survive as a species. Now, we think we dress it up with all this other shit, but that's all we want to do. So when, when guys are guys... It doesn't surprise me at all. Like the fact that he's a dick and then he's like hiring hot chicks to open up for him and trying to sleep with him. Yeah, that's something an asshole would do. So he's an asshole. Great. I don't give a fuck because I don't like him. I, I I mean, we've been through all this. I've, ne- I know. I've never just... I've never liked the guy. Yeah. Well, we've been through all this. But you love him. And if I here's the thing. If it was Tom Waits or somebody that I loved and I heard about it, it would really hurt me because I'd be like, oh, man. I don't know what to think about this music anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that hurt by it. I just can't really listen to the music anymore. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But that's... But the the, music, way, I see, the, the music, way I see it, though, is there's plenty of other great... I don't feel that bad about it. There's worlds full of great music. I've got a, I've got a lot of other records to listen to. Yeah, but if it was like your favorite... I mean, was Ryan Adams your... Wasn't he one of your favorites? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think it would be tough. If, if I've heard if Tom Waits was raping kids i would never listen to his music again yeah it's not i've found that with michael jackson too it's just not been that hard i'd never listened to michael jackson really yeah i was a pretty big fan i mean but my point is i mean we're uh, here we are again having another nuanced conversation these 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 are nuanced and it's kind of case by case because 
you can't just look at a whole movement and say grow up to it or say I completely agree with this whole right. movement. I don't agree with the Black Lives People Matter protesting Bernie Sanders. I think that's insane. Well, that's ridiculous. So here's the thing. You're right. Everything's nuanced. Everything's context. And that's the problem. You take something out of context and you can make it anything you want it to be. Right. Like you take almost any stand-up comedian's dialogue from their show, you can find some fucked up shit in there. I'm worried, to your point about that, about this the emergence of this deep fake shit. Because what Trump has done in the last couple of years is completely discredit all media and all source of information, which is, in my opinion, a, a step in a much larger cabal that he's a part of. And now with this deepfake stuff where you can just, in a, with CGI, make it look like someone is doing and saying things that they're oh, not I doing, and, and then with complete lack of trust societally in information and facts and news, what kind of world is that creating for us in the next couple of years with an election year coming up? dystopian and fucked up dude i'm serious man it's pretty sketchy i'm pretty fucking freaked out about it dude i was just talking to this buddy of mine who i ran into the air louis ck no okay i don't he's not a friend of mine (laughs) i'm a huge fan of his comedy um no i ran into this college buddy of mine who who works with like dell he's worked with dell for 30 years dell's based in austin right it's yeah round rock just north of uh, anyways he uh I was like, so what do you think, you know, what what do you think's going on? And he's dude, he just started rattling off all this shit about how we're all tracked and all the information is being what was he saying? He's There's a digital profile of everyone being made for sure. There's a digital profile, but then there's this thing where you can like digitally create a twin and then have that digital twin do stuff and I don't know, man. It's he started talking about it and it didn't it sounded super sketchy and super scary because he he sounded like he knew what he was talking about right. and it didn't sound good. And I was like, dude, that sounds like you're I feel like I'm talking to my accountant about my taxes and I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> Just handle it and then hopefully I'll die before all this shit hits the fan. Well, does anyone even doubt anymore? I mean, the evident the things that will pop up on my phone after mentioning it one time in a room. Oh yeah. Does anyone does anyone doubt that anymore? There was a time where people were like, "No, man. The laws of averages and coincidence and blah blah blah. That's out. Your phone is listening to you and and through AdSense is trying to sell you shit based on conversations you're having." Oh, I know it's listening to me because if I say, "Hey Siri," my phone has got a "Hey Siri" on it right now. Do it. "Hey Siri." What can I help you with? Oh, you got your volume down. I see that, though. It's listening all the time. My phone is, and then my Echo at home is listening all the time. I know, but the idea is and that it's it, tracking me. The idea is it's what they tell you is it's only listening when you say, hey, Siri. It's activated by that. Well, but that's ha- not the no, case. it has to listen all the time so it can hear, hey, Siri. Right. How's it going to he- hear, hey, Siri? We Someone gave us an Amazon Echo thing for Christmas, and I threw it away. Dude, I like it. What do you do with it that's so great? I don't know. Turn lights on and shit? Not really, just like play songs every once play in a while. Play songs every once in a while. Here's all my Alexa, freedom. Alexa, play Shake It Off by Taylor Swift for the 10,000th time. <laughs> so I can watch my daughter do her crazy dance. It's fun. Yeah. Like, I just feel like we're talking and I'm like, we're not really trying to be entertaining at all. Which I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't Probably know. not is good. Po- I don't know if this podcast's goal is to be entertaining all the time. It is kind of for me. Well, we're killing it.
I thought we were just having conversations we would otherwise have fly on the wall and people yeah. get to hear it. But part of part of those conversations is also trying to get each other to laugh a little bit. <laughs> well, we <we've, laughs> just got here. I just saw you. Maybe the next episode will be better. Maybe. It can't be worse. Uh, we've had some worse episodes than this. Maybe. Well, shall we read another email to maybe kickstart some comedic juices flowing? Okay. I mean, are you excited to be in Nashville? Are you excited about the show tonight? I'm coming to the gig. Uh, are you on a run? What's going on? How did you? Is today a run? Are you playing other southeastern states or what? I've got a solo gig in Atlanta on Saturday. So why is so, the why is the band here? I don't know. It's one of those things where I think that the booking agent was like, "Oh, you're going to be in Atlanta on Saturday. Why don't we book a little run leading up to it so we can suck all the money that you're going to make." on Saturday out of your bank account and give it to your band. <laughs> and uh, so instead of just going and playing the one gig on Saturday, me as your agent, I can make a bunch of money and everybody else can make a money, bunch of money and then you'll make a lot less money. And I'm like, uh... And since I don't really look at any of my scheduling stuff, then I was like, sure. And then... I was like looking at it today going, oh, this sucks. Yeah. Monetarily. But it's fun. I, you know, I like playing. I like coming to Nashville. It's nice to see you. You um, know, the last few times you've come through were solo. It's probably good to mix it up a little bit. Give your fans a little bit of the band flavor. Because your band shows are different. Yeah. No, it's it's cool. I don't know. It's fun for me. It's fun and a little weird for me to go to band shows because I played with you for like seven years. So well, I just I just played Birmingham last night. And, oh, you uh, did solo? No, with the band. Where'd you guys play? Man, we played Saturn. Have you been there? Yeah, love it. That place is cool. Green room. How about that green room? Amazing. Amazing, right? Dude, I was so I liked it so much that I actually did a, a that I live a, there now. I did a no, I did a painting and left it for that guy. Anyways, pretty familiar. I bought that uh, and then yeah, that's it. Painted that. You know, top speaking of, of entertaining, people can't see what you're doing. So you should describe what you're doing. Bob just showed me a picture of his latest Instagram post, which is Space Race or what is space it? Space is the place. Well, that's what they on the on the wall of the green room. It says Space is the place, right. and then it's it's all like you know uh, retro sort of astronaut stuff in there. It's a super comfortable, fun green room. They're not all like that. No. How'd the show go for Birmingham? We had fun, and uh, I was silly. I said a bunch of. Sh- Silly shit. That sounds really unusual. <laughs> hey, you'll never hear what Bob did last night at his show. What? He said a bunch of silly shit. Yeah. What? Yeah. Took a break from reciting Shakespeare and I was introducing I was introducing the band. I was like, It's Kevin McKinney on guitar. Fuck it. And Bruce Hughes on <laughs> bass. And Wayne Salzman on drums. <laughs> I just kept doing it over and over. Kevin McKinney's out? Kevin McKinney's out on this one. How did that happen? Where's uh, John at? John, your normal normal guitar player. John's in uh, like Ukraine or something. He's in Eastern. Is he doing some David Eastern Lynch? Europe. David Lynch crap. Yeah, he's playing with that Christabel. Yeah. So yeah, so Kevin kind of does. He's been sort of the sub when you know when we're out. So he knows all the material. And, nice. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing the gig. It'll be fun. Uh, both Bruce and Wayne have hit me up independently, asking to hang out because they want to see me. It would have been nice to play with you tonight, since we're here. Yeah, well. 
That's again. That's, that's really a, cool. <laughs> I know, dude. Believe me, I when I once I realized that we were going to be here, and then I, once I contacted you, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm in town." I'm like, "Oh well, that's an opportunity blown where we could have played together." Yeah, I could have done Birmingham and tonight, my hometown and my current town. What about tomorrow and Saturday? I'm free all day and all night tomorrow. I have a bus call Saturday morning. Well, you could have done it then. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Damn it. But that's okay. This is better, man. I'm just going to come to the show with a few of my buds and have some cocktails and watch my friends play music. Well, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Will it be good, though? I When I go see, some, when I go see a band play, I just all I want to do is be playing. I I will not feel that way tonight. I won't. I, I will miss playing with you. I will want to play, but for different reasons. I know what you're saying. I leave shows sometimes because, if, especially if the band's good, because all I want to do, I want to be a part of the good thing that's happening. I don't want to just be watching it, so I'll leave. But that that's not the case here. You guys are all my friends. I love the music. It's a night out for me that I don't get to do much these days. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure you'll say a bunch of nice, funny things about me from the stage. So how could I miss that? I don't know if I'll do... I, I'm kidding. I, you don't I, have to do that. I doubt I'll do that only because I hate it. If I'm at a show and somebody points me out in the crowd, it makes I feel like I've got snakes crawling inside me. I it's the most uncomfortable feeling. When I went and saw Tyler Bryant mm-hmm. on the Kiss Cruise, I knew they knew who I was because they'd seen me the night before playing. Mm-hmm. And the guy looked at me and I was like, please don't say anything about me. And he didn't, and I felt so grateful that he didn't single me out. Right. And so I was like, oh, I, I, I never want to single anybody out again. Oh, I feel very differently. Uh, you like being singled out. Well, I mean, you know, I went and saw Rachel Loy pray, play, and uh, she's and played pray with me before. Too. I started she, praying to she's, she's a Christian very now. very religious. Uh, I went and saw her play, and I, her and I have been writing a lot. We've gotten pretty tight over the last year. Uh-huh. We started a project together, and uh, I just went to go see her play, and I think she's so talented and so good. She had one of the best bands in Nashville backing her up, yeah, and it was kind it. of a who's who of Nashville came to see her, right? and she took a moment. She played a couple of our songs in her set, and she took a moment to be like, I don't do any co-writes in my set except for the ones I write with Clint. And, you know, I... Uh, Felt pretty good about that. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hate it. Okay, well, I probably won't be saying anything. You nice don't have like to that. say anything. I was kidding. I'm gonna actually come up on stage and say something about you into the mic. Don't do it. Is that cool? No. It depends on how much I have to drink. Don't do it. I haven't been eating much, and I haven't been drinking much either. So tonight, it might hit me pretty hard. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I remember we were playing a gig one time. This will be the last thing, and then we gotta call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we were playing in gate. Remember when we did Hot Command at, yeah. at uh, the W? I do remember that. And it was just you and me mm-hmm. with tracks. Wearing masks. Wearing masks. And then at some point during the show, I just heard somebody on the mic saying some shit. And I was just like, oh, I guess that's the the DJ or the MC or something. Just randomly getting on the mic. I'm like, why the fuck is this motherfucker getting on the mic? And it was you! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was telling them not to be afraid to dance. Oh, my God, dude. I was like, what the fuck? You know all the uh, Saints of Valerie guys were at that gig. Oh, they were? I became they? friends with them all after this, and, and they were like, man, that gig was incredible, that Hot Command gig. Dude, one of the most uncomfortable gigs I've ever done. 
Yeah, that was a weird time. It was just just something about playing. When you're used to playing with live musicians, your whole time that you've been performing from the time I was four, and then you get on stage with tracks, it's such a different feeling. It's you different. just You just feel like you're poop in the bed the whole time. It just feels like everybody in the audience knows how shitty this is. And they don't. No. Like, in the audience, everything looks the same and sounds the same. They thought it was awesome. They thought it was great, but on stage it just feels so different because you're not sound you're not surrounded by all that acoustic move, you know, sound movement and stuff. What were we doing? Why did we do that? I don't know. Here's the deal. Bob and Clint at gmail.com. We'll we'll re- even if you want to call <laughs> write in and criticize me about shit. That was a soft criticism, dude. It was it soft. was soft as a pillow. I'm sensitive about that issue, though, because I take it so seriously. And the idea that I may be misrepresenting myself or that Christopher may have gotten it wrong bugged me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, cheers to you, Christopher. Thanks for writing in and thanks for listening. I'm not taking it personally, but it it was important to me to set it straight. You can write in like Christopher did, uh, com. Go leave us a positive review. It goes a long way. Just take a second if you like the show. And uh, our other podcasts are Bob's The Song Club. Mine's called Metal Up Your Podcast. We'll see you on the flip-flop. Choose. That's German for peace.